Welcome to the ValleyHoopsInsider.com podcast. Uh, ValleyHoopsInsider.com, we like to take a lighthearted but thorough look at the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley conferences. I'm Harry Schrader, your host, editor of the site. Glad you're with us today. Uh, I want to tell you about some of our sponsors here locally in St. Louis. Rhymes Heating and Cooling, 638-8181. They are an integrity-filled, honest company that will take care of all of your heating and cooling needs. My parents' house, my sister's house, my house. You will love those people. Give them a call, 314-638-8181. Tell them you heard about it right here on valleyhoopsinsider.com. Up in the Bradley and Illinois State area, there's a great golf course, the Rail Golf Course there in Springfield, Illinois, former home of an LPGA stop. I've been playing golf there forever. Listen, call them, tell them you heard about them at valleyhoopsinsider.com. They have a buy one, get one free special just for our readers, our listeners. That's the Rail Golf Course in Springfield, Illinois. And then finally, an outstanding outreach to West African orphans called the Wenpoide Project. You can get all the information from our website, valleyhoopsinsider.com. They reach out to both terminally ill and special needs children, orphans, in West Africa. And uh, I've been there. It's a spectacular place and a spectacular outreach and ministry to the orphans of West Africa. It is the Beat Writers Edition uh, because we want to talk to these guys that know so much about what's going on in the Missouri Valley Conference. And, of course, some of the big news has been coming out of Evansville, where over the last couple of weeks there's been some turmoil, some controversy with head coach Walter McCarty. And now yesterday they have signed Todd Licklider to take over. And from the Courier Press, Chad Linskog has joined us. And, Chad, uh, we've got a lot to cover today related to all that's happened in the last couple of weeks. But before we get to that, tell us about you. Tell us uh, why the Courier Press, why sports. Give us a little bit of background on you. I, uh, I've worked at the Evansville Courier Press for uh, going on four years now. Um, I'm originally from Ohio. I went to Ohio University and. I took my first job in Wyoming, and this is my second job uh, now here in Indiana. I've kind of gone from high school reporter to talking or covering our D2 school, uh, which is the University of Southern Indiana, and now uh, up to the University of Evansville. So kind of done doing a little bit of everything in Evansville over the last couple of years. But always sports. Tell us about your love for sports or how you ended up in that category. Uh I just, you know, I signed up for the the school paper when I was in high school. I worked for the school paper in college, and my interest was always with sports. You know, I'm a sports fan. Uh, unfortunately, a Cleveland sports fan, so <laughs> haven't had a whole lot to root for. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I kind of like the, I guess, the human element of sports, uh, kind of more than the X's and O's. There's so many stories to tell, uh, just about you know, all the people involved in the tradition and, you know, people are so passionate about it, kind of just the, the area that I, I wanted to be in. So a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden the story broke that Walter McCarty was being suspended because of Title IX infractions. And so immediately I think, what, he didn't hire a woman? You know, because I think Title IX relates to that. And I think the Evansville, the stuff that I've been able to read out of there, uh, postings has, has been that Title IX infractions can be everything from just like hiring kinds of things all the way out to, you know, more, I don't know, controversial, terrible things potentially. Uh, tell us about how that story broke and, and just how it first landed in the community and, and, and the process going forward. 
So it came out, um, the university is saying that it happened on December 26th, but they didn't tell, they didn't send a news release until uh, December 27th, which is the Friday after Christmas. Um, me being from out of state, I was, you know, visiting, my, I was at my parents' house and it came out at noon. No one was expecting it. There was no warning, uh, no indication of anything. You know, it should have just been a time when we're not really talking about UE basketball because all the players were at home and, and everything. But, uh, um, yeah, it was a shock. Uh, it was sent out to an internal email on, uh, you know, to everybody who has the University of Evans email or Evansville email. And then they, you know, obviously sent the release to the media and all of that. And it, it kind of took off then, but it came out of the blue. There were, very few details other than, uh, yeah, UE said that, you know, there, there were Title IX infractions, but the Title IX has taken on such a, a different uh, just kind of shape. You know, it was passed in 1972. Like you said, you know, the emphasis of it was always on gender equality, you know, having the same amount of scholarships for women and men and, and all that. But it's kind of shifted uh, in recent years to focus more on uh, sexual conduct, I guess. So, you know, to make sure people aren't doing sexually suggestive jokes and inappropriate touching or making physical advances and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of all encompassing. So we still don't know the details of what exactly was involved in the allegations, but you know, in the city of Evansville, there was three weeks of silence. So the people were left to just kind of circulate rumors and uh, allegations that they've heard. And, you know, this, it kind of took on a life of its own, I guess. You know, you've been in media a long time. I have, too. When you get into these kinds of situations, you don't want to speculate either, do you? I mean, even if you have some good intel, you don't want to be the guy. I don't want to be. I'm not trying to win a Pulitzer Prize here. I don't want to be the guy that gets out and says, well, I think he did X, Y, or Z. It's a very tender, uh, narrow place to walk, isn't it, in your role? It is. Um, I mean, a a Pulitzer would be nice. But, yeah, especially covering (laughs) the team, you know, I'm – I'm the one that's still there talking to the players. I'm the one that's still there talking to the coaches. I don't want to burn whatever rapport that I might have built with them. And yeah, I mean, just it's it's irresponsible to to report on rumors, well, too. So unless I can get something, you know, confirmed or firsthand from somebody, um, especially with you know, it's, it is still an ongoing investigation, even though they have fired McCarty. Um, you know, it's this is something that we'll probably learn more facts about down the road. But uh, it just isn't right to to openly speculate unless somebody is going to be forthcoming and be, um, you know, want to tell their story and and want to make sure that you know there's there's an accurate picture being painted of this situation. Yeah, and to be fair to Coach McCarty, we're in such a, you know, we're in this you can't win situation. You, we really in the me too generation, we want to be very sensitive to everybody that may or may, you know, may have some kind of thought or feeling, uh, on, on, on what has transpired. And on the other hand, you know, we really do believe in innocent until proven guilty. It is a very narrow road to walk. And you mentioned Chad, that, that the university has been quiet about it for three weeks. And then all of a sudden, and you and I set up this interview a couple of days ago and you said, yeah, we think there might be some conclusion to the McCarty thing by the time you and I talk. So I thought, oh, well, good. This is good timing. Then all of a sudden, in between the time we set up this interview and we're talking this morning, they fire Coach McCarty and an hour later hire Todd Licklider. That seemed to happen awful quickly once the decision was made. It did, yeah. Um, 
uh, Walter's attorney released a statement on Wednesday afternoon, and at the end of it, it says that uh, Walter's stepfather died at the end of last week. Um, this is the man who raised him since he was six years old. So that kind of uh, threw a wrench into uh, just concluding uh, this process, I guess, between UE and McCarty. Um, and then Monday was a holiday with Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So they deliberated uh, on Tuesday. But, uh, you know, this was something, I guess, that, that UE probably thought that they were going to be able to do last week. And last night, Wednesday night, was the only home game until February 1st. So they wanted to get a, you know, a new coach in place quickly. And it just so happened to just kind of be a bang bang decision. But it sounds like they had their mind made up and they had already, you know, Mark Spencer said that, you know, he, drove up to Indianapolis last week to meet with Todd Licklider just to see if it's something that he might be interested in. And yeah, things moved very rapidly uh, around 6 p.m. on Tuesday evening. So it sounds like they actually decided all of this a week ago. And because of the complications in Walter's family, they just held off a week. And you can understand all of that. Basically, yeah, because, yeah, the, the holiday on Monday and then, you know, Walter, uh, they respected him that he's in mourning uh, at the end of last week uh, just because of his stepfather. So this is, yeah, something that was probably in the works uh, a full week in advance. Uh, it just took a little while for um, everything to, to kind of come out. And then, yeah, it was within a three-hour span of Walter being fired that uh, I had learned that Todd Licklider, you know, was, was being hired. So it was quite a whirlwind of an evening. Well, let's stay with the controversy for a little bit, and then we'll talk basketball. Then his lawyer issues, Walter McCarty's uh, lawyer issues a statement and saying, hey, he's completely innocent. The university didn't follow the procedures they said they were going to, and we're going to fight this thing. Uh, can you uh, you know, shed any light on that, on, on what he might be speaking to, or you know, what, what that process was supposed to look like? I'm not really sure. So Yui said in their original news release that uh, the investigation was going to be independently done by a national law firm. And then, yes, uh, on Wednesday, McCarty's attorney comes out and says the investigation wasn't independent, that it was actually done by the same law firm that actually drafted these university policies now under review. Um, And then it also says or alleges that, you know, UE participated in the investigation and did not give uh, Walter McCarty the opportunity to defend himself in accordance with his contract or UE's Title IX policy. Um, you know, UE is a private school. They are not obligated to release information to the public compared to, you know, a, a bigger state school, you know. Uh, so we don't actually know kind of what this whole process was. Again, uh, there was really no talk at all for over three weeks. I think it was 25 days uh, between the two, uh, you know, announcements of involving him. So I, I'm not positive, you know, what a, how thorough this was. You know, if, if they were sitting in rooms together for eight hours a day every day, or just you know meeting one day a week or two days a week, I really have no idea. I do know that McCarty, you know, was in town. Uh, during a lot of this this time, uh, people have seen him out and spotted him. Uh, but you know, it's it's one of those things that 
I don't know that we'll ever get, you know, the full story on this unless this somehow gets taken to courts and, you know, shifts to the, the public eye. And, and you have to wonder with for Walter McCarty, man, I want my day in court. I want to clear my good name if he feels innocent. Flipping it around, man, if I drag this thing out, who will hire me later? I mean, it, it's, it's difficult on that side of this equation as well as figuring out the right strategy for his uh, future career. Yes, uh, you know, I thought there was, you know, I, I thought there was a chance that he could have even come back, um, just because this dragged on for so long. It, came, it, you know, in my mind, it was like, well, are are they finding, you know, that there's validity to this stuff? So maybe, maybe that's what where Walter's coming from is, you know, this, this took long enough that, you know, if they didn't have enough at the beginning to fire him, then why'd they wait so long? Uh, but at the, I just, yeah, I don't really know what the conclusion to this is. I don't know if there could be a lawsuit. Uh, all we know is the statements that, that they released. And I thought it was fairly harsh towards uh, UE. Um, but then again, you know, it's, it's one side saying one thing and another side saying something else. So like most things, uh, it's, it's probably the, the reality is more in the middle. So moving forward now, we think of Todd Licklider, who was there as an assistant, recruited, you know, helped recruit a number of those players. That was kind of a layup, wasn't it? That if he was available, he was the perfect guy. It seemed like it. You know, it's, it's the middle of the year, so it's not like UE could have gone out and, you know, started interviewing a bunch of guys who are still on staff somewhere else. So they, they can get the stopgap in quickly. They can try to get back on track, salvage this season, win you know, a handful of Valley games and then see, you know, see how, how well they're playing, you know, by the time Arch Madness comes around, you know, it is, you know, they are 0-7 in Valley play. It's not like this is going to be a, a tremendous year, but they can at least finish with a winning record and, and, you know, kind of show some resilience, I guess, just after all this turmoil for the last month. But yeah, with, with Todd coming back, you know, I think that that's good for the continuity to, maybe keep some of those players in and avoid a, you know, a mass exodus that can happen with coaching changes. Um, it, it's not a stranger coming in and, you know, giving a bunch of orders either, uh, you know, when a team's on its third coach and in eight games. So, you know, it's, it, it was the best move. If they were going to make a move now and not wait until the spring, I don't really know who they could have found who was better than Todd Licklider. So the press conference was yesterday, and uh, the athletic director didn't want to field any questions about Coach McCarty. Are they going to have a press conference later? Have they indicated we're going to you know, share more, tell more, et cetera, down the road? They have not said so, um, but the journalist in me is, you know, going to be tasked with, uh, you know, pestering them. <laughs> you know, we haven't, you know, the president hasn't spoken. The athletic director hasn't addressed the, the McCarty situation. I would hope that at some point that, that they take ownership of the things that, you know, they oversee and not necessarily be held accountable, but to just, you know, not be so secretive about everything. You know, this is still, you know, the men's basketball program is, is the, the lifeblood of the athletic department. And, you know, why are people going to be giving money, you know, to go to games? I've argued this throughout the whole time that the McCarty was suspended. You know, why are they spending their money to, to keep supporting the team and keep supporting the university if, you know, no one's really being told what's going on. So, I certainly hope that that they will be, you know, a little bit more forthcoming and just explaining what happened and why this season was derailed so quickly. 
And I guess also, Chad, the idea that uh, in the initial report, and you reported well there in the Courier Press, that, oh, there had been an incident a year ago and that they had kind of talked through it and maybe gotten him some counseling or correction or whatever. So this being like a second or maybe more uh, incident, uh, it became way more serious. Essentially, yes. Um, again, none of this is believed to be criminal. It's just uh, kind of something, it's behavior that, that the University of Evansville doesn't like and that they have found is uh, against their Title IX policy. Um Again, this is kind of the reason why it's probably drawn out so much legally is trying to prove that he did violate his contract or university rules. Um, but yeah, the, the reason that UE said that it, it fired him before the investigation was even complete is because they've received uh, a handful of more reports of just conduct that that is unbecoming of the University of Evansville, essentially, and that, that they did not want uh you know, a leader, one of the highest paid employees of the school, uh, they don't want, you know, that behavior, whatever McCarty was doing, they don't think that represents the school. So um, there's been a lot of rumor that have circulated throughout the town. Uh, there's many allegations out there. I don't know what's, you know, particularly, you know, at the focus of this investigation, but I've heard the same stories uh, by enough people to, to believe, you know, there probably is some truth to some of this. Smoke and fire is what we say sometimes, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the hoops. Uh, as much as missing Coach McCarty and derailment of, you know, philosophy, not maybe not philosophies, but just coaching continuity is hard enough. But when you have the best player on the team not playing the last handful of games, uh, that that's not very good for the team either. Tell us about DeAndre Williams and uh, his back injury. Yeah, so he has now missed uh, five games in a row, and the Aces have lost four of those five by at least twenty points. Um, you know, they've they will admit themselves that he's he's their best player. Um, you know, he was, I think, second in the nation in true or in you know true shooting percentage. He was averaging team highs in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, minutes. You know, he was he was kind of doing it all, even though he didn't play it all last year. But uh, yeah, his his back has he has a back injury. Um, I don't know the actual diagnosis of it. Uh, he didn't say when he talked earlier this week. But you know, he's in pain. It, it's hard for him to, to get, bend down and tie his shoes. It's hard for him to get into a car. Um, granted, he is you know six foot nine too. But uh, you know, he's he, he's dealing with that, and there's really he's considered day to day, but. You know, who knows when he could return? It could be Sunday at Valparaiso. It could be two weeks from now. You know, there's you know, always the possibility he doesn't play again this year. So um, that's that's been kind of unfortunate that not only has the team lost their coach, but they've lost their best player. And um, they've now had two different coaches uh, telling them what to do as well. So there's just, you know, a lot of, uh, dis I don't want to say distractions, but, you know, the wheels fell off. And and so if he's having trouble getting in and out of a car, he's not very close to playing, Chad. <laughs> it doesn't sound like. He, he just said that, you know, there, there's pain. Um, you know, he's been out on the court before the games last couple, uh, last couple of games. And, you know, he's moving around fine. He's still passing the ball. You know, he's not, it's not like he's like stiff and in a wheelchair. But, you know, there's there's enough problems in there that, that there's enough pain in his back that, that his mobility is, is impacted to the point to where, you know, he's not going to be thrown down slam dunks. 
And, and I assume Benny Seltzer goes back to his assistant role. Um, talk, you know, when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about maybe the first game that they, first home game they had after Walter had uh, been suspended, the crowd really responded well. Big ovations for all of the players. Talk to me about the mindset or the, re, the fan reaction so far in games, not just maybe people you're talking to on the streets, but, but in games, how, how have the crowds been numerically and how have they been uh, emotionally, support-wise? So uh, last night was uh, nice. Uh, Todd Licklider was given a, a really big standing ovation, you know, when he was introduced for the first time. And then in their first game, so then what well, this was, you know, probably three weeks ago now, but their first home Valley game of the season, which, which was the first game, you know, with, with Benny and, you know, since the McCarty situation had happened, the fans were really supportive that night. Uh, they, they gave the aces multiple standing ovations, um, and kind of showed Seltzer and all of them, you know, that they're, they were standing behind them. Um, that said, attendance is dwindling. Um, there's been the two smallest crowds of the season and two of the last three games. And, I would argue that last night was probably the smallest crowd of the season. You know, Wednesday night lost to Drake, but the the announced attendance was a little bit higher than that. So, you know, people are making a point in one way or another that uh, their interest has, you know, waned a little bit during this losing streak and all this turmoil and all of that. But as far as the people who are in the building, you know, they are still being supportive and, um, you know, rightfully cheering on the, the the coaches and players who are still here because you know none of this was their doing. Still looking for a for a uh, silver lining, right? You know, if you can get Williams healthy and Licklider can find Butler magic, uh, you know, maybe the team finishes strong. And 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 so tell us a little bit about Todd Licklider. I mean, can, he had those great success at Butler, struggled at Iowa. Uh, you know him a little bit. Tell us about him. Um, I'm not super familiar with the X's and O's, uh, of him. So I need to talk to him more. I mean, he hasn't been a D one coach, a D one head coach, at least for, for 10 years. It was the Oh nine ten season was his last year at Iowa. Obviously the game's changed a ton. Um, you know, he's a proponent of shooting threes. So, you know, that's one of the, the areas that, that, you know, if that's, if that's a focus, then, you know, that's how the game's being played anyways. But, I think at this point, just having him, you know, a voice that he was only gone for six months. Otherwise, he was here for uh, 18 other months. So he's been here longer than, than he was away. So having, you know, him being, you know, a similar voice that, that everyone's used to, that, that maybe there there is continuity, maybe, you know, it's not going to be like a stranger coming in and, and completely changing everything. But, you know, they didn't play well in their first game, but can you really blame them when, you know, 24 hours before tip-off, they learned that McCarty had been fired, and then even less than that, they learned that they had a new coach coming in. So we'll we'll see how, how they can play moving forward. And like you said, you know, I'm still going to be optimistic that there is going to be some sort of silver lining that they can somehow win five, maybe six Valley games and um, maybe not be last place, but it does feel like a Thursday uh, Arch Madness game is almost a lock at this point. Uh, Chad, tell us a little bit about where and you know what's coming up next in the Courier Press. What do you what what stories are you working on that people can look for here in the next day or two? Um, right now, uh, just trying to catch my breath. There's been a lot <laughs> uh, uh, over the last you know 36 hours or so now, or what we're talking here on on Thursday morning. Yeah, um, and you had some dental I, work in the midst of all of that. 
I did, yeah. I had a scheduled dentist <laughs> appointment uh, just to add to all the fun. Um, I'm not going to be making the trip uh, to the Valparaiso game on Sunday, but you know, Evansville plays again on Sunday, and then next week uh, I plan on doing a mailbag to kind of answer uh, reader questions just because things have been chaotic lately, and then you know we'll be at the halfway point Valley play, so I'll be doing a report card on Evansville, uh, just kind of to, maybe just a timeline of how everything you know went down over the over the last month or so. But right now, just trying to you know figure out what to do next now that the, the shoe has fallen with McCarty, and then the other one drops with you know them not even doing a coaching search and just immediately hiring the replacement. So. A lot of uh, interesting Evansville basketball news this week. No doubt that's the Courier Press. Check out Chad Linskog's work there. And, uh, Chad, before we let you go, uh, I'm very intrigued by Shamar Givens, if I'm saying his first name, I mean his last name correctly. Uh, yeah. he, he shows flashes of some real uh, savvy in that backcourt. Do you agree? I, I agree. So yeah, he's uh, kind of all gas, no breaks. He can <laughs> he he can be their energy. Uh, you know, he's 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 not the the biggest guy in the world. Um, I think he he's listed at five foot ten, but that might be you know including some hair. Uh, still though, he's he's a very you know change of pace point guard. I guess you know where you got KJ Riley, the senior leader, and then Givens out here, and they've been playing them together a little bit lately, but. Yeah, he's uh he's quick. He can move the ball down in a hurry. Um, if he can get a little bit better at finishing around the rim, uh, you know, he's could be a, a force in the valley considering he's only a sophomore and is already kind of playing with the the confidence of an upperclassman. Terrific. Chad, we appreciate your time today on the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast. All your insight on the Walter McCarty story, Todd Licklider, and all that's going on at Evansville. And uh, yeah, we know we expect to see you here in St. Louis in, uh, well, just over a month. And so we need to connect again when you get to town. Oh, definitely. Thanks, Harry. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chad. You've been listening to the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast. Our guest, Chad Linskog of the Courier Press in Evansville, Indiana. We appreciate him and appreciate you folks listening today on the Valley Hoops Insider Podcast.